Wild one for you today. Earlier this week, I hopped on with Eric and Brett of Locked On Astros for a live show to talk about the world champion Houston Astros, some of their top prospects, some of the Rule 5 guys that weren't protected, and then take rapid-fire questions from listeners. So here's an edited version of that conversation from Wednesday night. Enjoy. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are Locked On Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talk Stros. Find the show at Locked On Astros, your team every day. Brett, where can we find you at? They can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse. They can find me at Stros411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. They can find me on TikTok. And just know, always positive, always Stros. All right. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that M&M's commercial where the M&M's see Santa and Santa sees the M&M's, the talking M&M's. And they say, well, they do exist. Well, this is the first time I've actually done a show with Lindsey Crosby. He's a, a great he's the host of the Locked On uh, MLB Prospects. He does a great job over there. He normally does it when Brett's there. So where can you find you and your podcast? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked On MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Farm. And if you have questions for the mailbag, at uh, Locked On MLB Prospects at gmail.com. We do those mailbags every single Monday. I know we don't get a chance to do this a lot during the regular season, but this is a perfect time to sit down and kind of look at the state of the Astros farm system. I know that there's a lot of people that say, yeah, the Astros are at the bottom of the barrel, but They've been consistently winning, and they've been trading away some quality prospects to get some players to help them win. So um, what's your overall uh, – if, you, if you're if you one of these big rankers, where would you rank the Astros farm system right now? So the Astros farm system to me is probably in the bottom half of the rankings, but it's for a good reason, right? You've, you, you've, you've promoted players like Jeremy Pena. You have made trades. And you won a World Series. You played in two straight World Series. So you have used the prospect capital in the way that it should be used. And there's so many, there's so many teams that are afraid to make the strategic trades of prospects. And the Astros haven't been afraid to step out and say, hey, we need to supplement. We need to make a trade. We're going to ship out a Jake Odorizzi. We're going to ship out a Jose Siri. We're going to make a trade to make our team better. Right. And so, obviously, it brought the, the Astros a World Series championship. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, it's been a great season. And to see the guys come up at the end of the year and help out. I mean, David Hensley being hit by a pitch and being on base and having a key part in a playoff game. Having Corey Lee come up and help out throughout the season. You know, he didn't really pan out, I think, the way that they wanted him to. And he's one of the guys we're going to discuss. But towards the end of the season, now we have our 40-man rosters kind of shaping up. We have five spots still to fill. But J.P. France is one of those guys that is really – he's got a lot of promise. And with this, with this roster, though, you know, Eric and I spent 30-something 30 minutes last night talking about the lineup. And I was like, Eric, we haven't even got to the pitching yet. And we've got guys like Parker Mashinsky – um, we've got Anoli Paredes, who has kind of had a rejuvenation, has done a lot better in AAA. Hopefully he's got the control down. 
And then we've got all these anomalies, all these, all these, you know, questions. Forrest Whitley, when will he break through? Corey Jolks, if he doesn't get drafted and he stays around, will they put him on at some point? So, you know, Lindsay, for a farm club, for a club that has a farm system that's in the bottom half, we actually still have a lot more, I think, probable guys, you know, guys that you look into the future, the Meltons, the Gilberts, um, Gosh, the, you know, Colin Barber, guys like that, that, that really, you know, Dustin Jordan, um, who's, who's, who's making a, a, a huge impact right now and turning heads. So let's just, let's just talk about this. Um, you know, we want to talk about movers and shakers in this organization. Yeah. And the good thing is, is the top end talent is very good, right? And the Astros, more so than a lot of other teams, I really feel good about the development. And so, guy who might be a coin flip in another organization uh, here is 65% likely to make it versus a 50 because of the quality of development of both pitchers and hitters. Look at a guy like a Hunter Brown. I mean, comes up, doesn't get, you know, uh, plays in seven games to the end of the season and then goes in the playoffs, doesn't give up a run in the playoffs. And it's like, he might be your fifth or sixth starter next year. It's just something where going out, identifying the the right types of tools and the right skills that these guys have, and then knowing what you're good at as far as development and turning them into useful big leaders. Look at Jeremy Pena. I mean, great example of a guy that you you build him, you develop him, and when he's ready, you bring him out, and he short, starts towards up all season, replaces Carlos Correa seamlessly. And, you yeah, know, uh, what I've always told yeah. Brett is that the Astros uh, for the past few years have not had the sexy players, you know, the top 100. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that Hunter Brown technically was and Corey Lee was technically, but they don't have like the top 20 like some of the teams do. But even those top 20 prospects don't always click. What was the guy? I can't think of the name with uh, with the Mariners, the guy that was supposed to be a can't miss guy, but came up and kept on striking out left and right. He did play in the playoffs this last year, but they don't always hit. Um, in Jared the, Kalinic, the big yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Koenig, that's right. So yeah. uh, definitely the Astros just seem to be lucky with finding the right players at the right time, whether it be Christian Javier, uh, Framer Valdez, Luis Garcia, and they just have this knack of doing it, whether that's um, uh, just the scouting department or just uh, the, the player development or something. So mm-hmm. uh, looking ahead, we somebody mentioned Corey Jolks. Um, is he the most likely guy to be drafted in the rule five draft it feels like he is and it's just it's a situation where he's he's had enough time um at a higher level in the minors where you feel comfortable that he could make it for an entire season i mean it's a position player is harder to to go in the rule five draft than a pitcher simply because it's so much harder to hide a position player so there's a caveat on that but if you were to take somebody He's got enough versatility. He can play a couple, you know, a couple different places. He has at least enough time at Double A where you have a better idea of what he projects out to do. Uh, so there's a threat there. I still think a position player is likely to probably get skipped over, especially because he doesn't spend a ton of time at Double A. I think he had, I mean, he had maybe ten games or so, and so it's just enough time where I don't quite think you're going to see him taken uh, in the Rule Five Draft, but. The tools are there. The potential's there. The reasons are there why you would want to take him. 
Now, is is his age one of the main factors that he's 27, that he's a little bit long in the tooth? You know, you saw Stone Garrett finally break through, you know, and Stone Garrett had moved from organization to organization Mm -hmm. and he actually rose and fell. And when he got in the Diamondbacks organization, whatever they did with him, man, I don't know if it's just they're they're that thin in their farm system or if they were able to develop some tools. You know, he is a local kid from Sugarland area. So are we looking at the same kind of thing with Corey Jolks where he kind of is behind the eight ball because of his age? He's in his late 20s now. Yeah, and and to me, missing the 2020 season impacted him a little bit more than a lot of other guys simply because of the profile coming out of college. I mean, he goes to Houston, and then so, uh, you know, come out of there, even at Houston, he plays third, he plays left, he plays second. I mean, he's moving around a lot, and he's never really had that consistency, and then he loses a full season. Uh, I absolutely think that that given his age, he's at the point where he's not valued by a lot of teams in their models, but a team that is good at figuring out, oh, this is the mistake he's making. This is the one flaw. If we fix this, he'll pan out. Uh, that's an organization that could take him and say, look what he did at Triple A, Sugarland, we did at Corpus Christi. Uh, we can make this work at the big league level. So he's got traits and he's close to it. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Simply Safe. I've talked about it all week. This time of year, package thefts off of your porch go up, home burglaries go up, and so that's why this is the time of year to consider a Simply Safe system. They make it easy for you with a 50% off special right now. But listen, the way it works, you go out to simplysafe.com and you build your own package. Everyone comes with a a base station and a keypad, and from there You pick and choose whatever you need. Do you want a doorbell camera? Do you need interior cameras, exterior cameras? They have window sensors. They have door sensors. They have smart locks. They have water leak sensors, glass break sensors, carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Whatever you need for your home, you order, you build the package, they ship it all to you. Everything's self-installable. You don't have to invite a stranger into your home to drill holes in your wall to install your Simply Safe package. If you ever want to change to add things to your system, it's easy to go to simplysafe.com, buy more accessories, and have them shipped to you. If you move, you can take everything down, take it to your new home, and put it back up at your new place. One of the many reasons why Simply Safe has been named the best home security system by U.S. News and World Report for a third consecutive year. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I will use or recommend. Get 50% off a new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. It's the biggest discount of the year. Again, simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, so if you look at the Astros minor league um, players a year, I believe Hunter Brown won the player, the pitcher of the year, and Yiner Diaz was the hitter of the year, if I remember correctly. But uh, Yiner Diaz is definitely one of the top uh, hitters. Uh, I don't know if he profiles more at the catcher or if he profiles more as a DH or some other position. But I do want to kind of start looking at the Astros farm system uh, player by player. So um, let's go ahead and start with maybe Corey Lee and Yiner Diaz. What can they offer the Astros maybe as soon as this year, this next season? So 
good one-two punch, right? But both of these guys have things that we've got to work on. So, so like Diaz first. The thing that I love about Yiner Diaz is he's so good at making contact. The thing that I don't love about Yiner Diaz is he's so good at making contact. <laughs> because what happens yeah. is it's it's a pitch selection issue, but the quality of contact isn't always there because he's so good at putting a bat on a ball. And so I think it's something – I'm throwing out the major league sample. Six games. Uh, he got like eight at-bats. Let's not talk about that. But like, look at what he did in Sugarland. 294, 342, 587. 16 home runs. And it's a situation where this is what he profiles as uh, in, in the best-case scenario is a batting average around 300. Uh, mm-hmm. The slugging was there because he got a little more selective. He saw an extra pitch per plate appearance compared to when he was in Corpus Christi. And you see the power numbers. He hits nine home runs, 57 games in Corpus Christi, 16 in 48 games in Sugarland. And it's because he got a little more selective and he waited to find a pitch he could drive versus just making contact. Uh, defensively, you got questions about, is he good enough to be your everyday guy? I really don't necessarily know as of now that he is, but I think he has enough athleticism where you can use him at DH, you can use him some at first base. I don't know how good he picks, but you can use him some around while he works on some of the defense. The arm is there, but he has to work on on the, the, the flexibility, the blocking, and then just more experience calling a game. And I think that this pitching staff can really help with that because they're so – uh, so seasoned and so talented. So let me ask you this. Let me let me just kind of you know break in here because okay. I've noticed a couple of different things you've said consistently. You you keep going back to their double A numbers. Can you explain to our listeners, to our viewers, why it's important to look at not just a player's triple A numbers, but double A numbers? Because I believe double A is a little bit more challenging when it comes to batting and hitting because of the pitchers in double A. Is is that why you keep alluding back? Because I think the average fan might go, well, but I want to know his AAA number, so that's the highest level. But AA is really that real barometer. Is that is that why you keep going back to it? Yeah. So so for prospect people, uh, AA is typically seen as the stuff is better. It may not be as refined, but the stuff is better. That's the primary level where most of the development happens. AAA, the job of your AAA team is to be ready to help your big league team. The job of double A is development. And so that's why more and more you see prospects coming from double A straight to the bigs. Look at what the Braves did with Michael Harris. They they polished him off in double A straight to the bigs, skip triple A completely. Triple uh, A, you have an interesting mix of prospects who need a bit more time and then veterans who are trying to get back to the show or guys who you have, their their quad A players, their depth players, you have them to help out in case the big league team has an injury. So double A to me is typically a little bit better um, idea. Plus, Corpus Christi just happens to be almost perfectly neutral as far as park factors go. It is one of the few parks that is like exactly right at baseline, not slanted towards hitters or pitchers, but rather even. So it ends up being a really good barometer of what a guy can do in a neutral environment there in Corpus Christi. Yeah, we've interviewed several players, and they've talked about that. They've talked about how when they try to get outside of themselves, they're like, the ball doesn't carry at at you know Whataburger Field. And it doesn't. I've been there, and it's very hot. It's squelching. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
The difference between Sugarland in the summer and Corpus is Corpus has a breeze, but it's still really hot. Yeah, Sugarland is uh, at least for uh, for the Pacific Coast League. Sugarland is one of the more pitcher friendly. I think it and Sacramento together are like two most pitcher friendly parks as far as minor league park factors go. And that's the other reason why I really like looking at Corpus Christi numbers and and kind of seeing what they did against guys who are also there to learn and get better, the best talent there in double A. All right. So um, uh, somebody in the chat was asking about Joey uh, Looper Fido. Uh, is this somebody who's been on your radar for the Houston Astros? Okay. This, let me just kind of nerd out for a real quick second about Joey Looper Fido. Um, his, uh, his swing is really pretty. It is a smooth swing, lefty, obviously. Don't be worried about the fact that somebody might go undrafted in 2020 because 2020 was a five-round draft, right? Uh, but comes out of Duke. He has, the, he has the, the physical build to still get power, and you can kind of see 108 games last year, 12 home runs, 41 extra base hits. But what I love, this is the big thing to me, when I'm looking for a prospect and I'm trying to answer the question, is this a guy or is this a dude? 316, 408, 492. That 300, 400, 500 thing, that to me is the cutoff between a guy and a dude. And I, Lo Profito is, he, defensively, I don't quite know exactly where he plays yet. Uh, he can play center field. He can play some in the infield. I don't quite know where he's going to be. That doesn't matter. Um, he can hit. He can hit really well. Uh, He's got good baseball instincts. I feel like he would be a really good utility guy who could literally play seven positions for you at a major league level. That's the kind of instinctual player he is. I'm a big fan of Luberfino, in case you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, he came on the show, and um, I had the honor of you know interviewing him. And you know he shared, I'll just share an, an, an abbreviated version of the story, but he shared a story at, at last spring training. Um, Dusty Baker said, hey, kid, so what what position do you play? He said, well, coach, I'm a center fielder. He said, go to right field. So he goes to right field. And what does he do? He gets a ball tailing away from him. He lays out, dives, and makes the catch. The, it, it's it's the final out of the inning. He comes back in the dugout. And Dusty Baker says, well, GD, kid, I guess you are a, I guess you are a center fielder or whatever. He said to him, and like the next day, Dusty had all this Italian stuff because he knew his name was Lou Profito. So yeah. he had like this. This hat that had Italian on it. He had some like some like Italian kind of you know themed gifts for him. Here's an and, old garden gift card, you know, like exactly. But Luper Fido and Kenny Kenny Van Dorn, who we recently talked to with Astros Future, said that he sees him making it all the way to AAA this year. I mean, he said he won't break into the major league, but he said he has that potential to rise that quickly in their system. Yeah, and one of the things you can kind of look at is he did better, smaller sample size, but he did better in high A than in A ball. So, you know, A was like 304, 399, 473, and then all of those numbers improved by like 50 points or more when he went to high A. So that's kind of an indicator that you still haven't found the true talent level or the true challenge for the player. And so if I'm the Astros coming out of spring training, I'm genuinely considering starting him in double A versus starting him back in high A. I know he only got 26 games in high A, but he's also 23 years old. I feel good about what I saw from the glimpses. I'm thinking about sending him straight to double A two thirds of the year and then looking for maybe August or, you know, possibly late July. We're looking at bumping him up to triple A 
uh, to get, see how he handles that one final level of pitching before he goes to the bigs, hopefully in 24. All right. So um, looking at, um, I know that uh, David Hensley is technically already made his debut. Uh, I know a lot of people have kind of talked to about him being maybe a utility guy, somebody who could play all over the field, but what, what do you see? What type of player do you see him eventually turning into? So to me, one of the things that I, I worry about in a situation like that is he's so huge, right? Six six one ninety. I mean, he's a big guy. And whenever you get those guys, don't get me wrong, they can play in the infield. You've seen, I mean, you've seen O'Neill Cruz at six seven playing shortstop, but it's the levers, it ends up being a little bit harder for a really, really big guy like that uh, to to consistently do it in the infield at the level that you you need to. Uh, playing at some in in, right. in college, San Diego State. You know, he was right fielder to shortstop, things like that. Uh, I feel like he has enough of a knowledge base where he can do it as a utility kind of role. I don't want him to be an everyday shortstop, but I think that if you pick a defensive position for him, he he's athletic enough and he's skilled enough that he can probably do it at an above average level. Once you give him three fourths of a season to settle in. Uh, but I do think he defensively he can play by where you need him to on a fill-in basis. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for just about every single professional and amateur league out there. Football, college and pro, basketball, college and pro, both men and women, soccer, World Cups in full swing, Team USA takes on the Netherlands tomorrow. Esports, they've got everything at Bet Online. And you can even get into more obscure sports. Looking at BetOnline.net right now, I'm looking at odds for cricket and boxing and darts. They even have financial props, lottery props, politics props. You can get literally just about anything that you want on BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Now, now, Lindsay, I want to I want to ask you real quick um, okay. about a couple guys, okay? Um, and and you can give us a short synopsis of them: Zach Daniels, Quincy Hamilton, two guys that I think Quincy Hamilton moved quickly last year. Those two guys, do you see them making big moves this year? Okay, so Zach Daniels first. I love the tools that Zach Daniels has, right? And the question has always been, even going back to when he was in college at Tennessee, the question was, when was the bat going to click, right? And I really think that last year may have been when the bat finally clicked. Um, 282, 371, 522. Uh, 23 home runs, 39 extra base hits. Uh, I am a little cautious about he needs to bring down the swing and miss. Uh, his, his issue wasn't so much chasing out of the zone. It was missing pitches in the zone. 127 strikeouts in 95 games. But still 22 and 27 bases, uh, has the athleticism, absolutely uh, can play like just tons of tools, arm is big. It's just once that contact comes together, that's when he can just explode through the system. And I really think you're this close. And I think maybe it's just a little bit of we've got to get maybe a little better swing decisions, maybe a little bit of extra 
out of the swing so he's a little quicker to the zone and can stay in the zone a little longer, uh, cut down some of the whiffs. Um, Quincy Hamilton, uh, fifth rounder out of Wright State. You guys seem to love the Wright State guys. Obviously, you know, Hunter Brown. Uh, that, that was Wayne State. I'm sorry. That was Wayne State. The W States. You guys are there big in the W States. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got a question about how – how well Quincy Hamilton is going to be able to handle elite velocity. I haven't, I don't feel like I've really seen it yet. And even in Corpus Christi, it was a small sample, like 30 games, like a month or so, but the power production never really came in. I want to say the slugging was like below 350. And so it's a question where I think he got a little bit of a, he was oversold a little bit from college. He was in a really good offensive environment in college. Um, and I think that, a little bit of height limitations, a little bit of physical development limitations. You're probably looking at a corner outfielder. Um, once he can get a little more comfortable with that premium velocity, because he just didn't see it at rights. It's just not a thing you see in those lower level uh, colleges other than maybe once in a weekend. Um, I think that he has a chance, provided he can just get comfortable with that velo. Double A is the right place to leave him. That's the best place for him to be to get used to it. Um, I feel better about Daniels than I do about Hamilton, but I do think that both of them are that close from just exploding. They've got the physical tools. It's just a, we've got to get that last little thing to click at the plate. All right. So I think that Josh, the waiter that, uh, said I was H town wheelhouse is watching right now. So I just want to make sure I'm Eric. That's H Town Wheelhouse. I just want to clarify that. <laughs> so, anyway, um, thank you uh, for noticing me, Josh. But um, there's a lot of um, minor leaguers that Astros fans probably wouldn't recognize in the street. And uh, once they get up to the Astros, they'll you'll probably uh, recognize them. But what are some uh, who are some other names that Astros fans should uh, look out for in the upcoming years? So there's a guy right now who is. Oh, no, I, I say that I lost. Here we go. Uh, Sandro Gaston in the Dominican right now. Um, so 6'3", 210, he is a large man child, okay? Uh, he is a, a, a massive young man, part of the 2021 class. And slash line right here, okay, 319, 420, 688. He had a streak for like three days where he hit four home runs and eight RBIs in four games. Wow. And and so it's rare to see a young player and them have the power. So that's something that kind of, kind of piques interest right there. Now I'm a little bit worried about six, three, two, 10 at that age. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's 19 or 20 years old. I worry about where he's going to end up. The question is, is he done with the physical development or does he have more? And if he has more, you have to manage it, right? You have to make sure that, He's not getting too big because catcher's already tough on your knees. Don't want to go a little too far there, but um, really kind of like what I saw from Sandro Gaston. And then there's another guy, Omar Diaz. Uh, he's played first base, played corner outfield, and um, I no errors at all last wow. year. And so really, really impressive like that. Did a lot of complex league stuff. I think you're going to see him probably go straight to to Fayetteville uh, to start the year next year, kind of skip rookie ball, skip complex, um, but able to play both first base and the outfield. I think he could probably play some third base as well. And 
the the power potential is there. It's just not developed yet. 6'1", 180, got a little bit to come in on. But uh, potential has the tools, has the traits, has the bat speed. You just have to get them a little more refined, a little more physical development to do that. Now, what do you think about the ETA of Colin Barber? He is the name that a lot of people, if they're privy to Astros minor leagues, want to know about because he's got a lot of promise. And Spencer Araghetti, those two guys, we've actually had several people ask about those two names. What do you think an ETA for either one of those are? Is it 23, 24, 25? Where do you see them? It's whenever it's a, it's a prep draftee, you always kind of have to wonder, right? Because one, they lost 2020. He was a Barber was drafted 2019 in the fourth round. So right as you're getting them into professional baseball, he gets just about a month of time in 2019, loses 2020 completely. So he's 21 years old and he hasn't gone past high A, right? Uh, but in high A, he looked good. 298, 408, 450. Didn't strike out more than once a game, which is a big kind of milestone that I look for in the younger minor leaguers. Uh, to me, he feels like a 24 guy simply because he didn't get a full season in in 22. He only got 60 games. Um, and so what I imagine they're going to do is they're probably he's probably going to, depending on spring training, probably going to spend almost the entire year in double A next year. Uh, and then from there, unless he just absolutely destroys, you're looking at uh, 24 opening and uh, challenging for a job at a spring training, opening up in double A or triple A, and then in the bigs by midseason. But you just, you're kind of working on, you need the power to come in. He hit seven home runs in 60 games. And then working on, he hasn't had a full season of baseball. I mean, the most games he's played in a year was 63 last year. And that is a, big part of becoming a professional baseball player for a lot of prep draftees that we don't think about when you're in high school, you're playing, you know, 30 games in a season, and then you have showcases and things like that, but you're not playing five or six days a week and the physical toll that that takes. And right. so that's why, because his max is 63 games, that's why I'm thinking he's a 24 guy. So um, Eric, if I could just um, get this in here real quick, you know, when we when we are looking at these different you know prospects, when we're looking at the amount of starters that the Astros have, the Astros are famous for piggyback starters. I remember mm-hmm. Jake Goodrizzi's first rehab start in Sugarland. Um, Hunter Brown came in in the fifth inning, and he did a lot of that. You know, Valdez, Javier, all these guys that are up now have done this piggyback starting. Do you see? Let's just say Justin Verlander doesn't come back. The Astros employ sort of a hybrid starter, not a starter thing like the Rays have, but I would call it a hybrid starter where you have guys that are going to go, you know, they're going to go four or five. You're going to have someone come in behind them like a Hunter Brown, like a Brandon Belak, guys like that. JP France, maybe they bring him along later in the season. Are the Astros poised to do that? Because if you can do a hybrid starter like that in 2023, you're saving arms for the postseason. Yeah. it all comes back to, to load management, right? And then depth. And something that I'm big on on talking about and thinking about and reminding people is depth will always work itself out. Uh, ideally, you want to have seven or eight guys identified that can start games for you as you enter a season, knowing that you're probably going to need even more than that. Uh, but for me, it's a situation where I don't see a downside to it. And what I would probably do for me is I would want to – take a lower level 
I wouldn't want to use Hunter Brown as the second half of a piggyback at this point. I feel like he's worthy of a first half. I want to take a guy, a younger guy, who's a questionable one, and let him be the second half because it's, hey, he carried the load for you. He went four, he went five. You just got to come in and finish this out. Don't worry about it. We have a, this offense put up seven runs. You have a seven, three lead. You don't have to take a clean mound and keep clean sheets to keep us in it. All you have to do is get us through four innings with a, you know, with a four run lead. So I can see the advantage of doing that versus moving to a six span rotation until injuries, fatigue, and effectiveness make you do a standard rotation anyway. I think that's probably going to be where it goes. Exactly. And that's where I think Ananoli Paredes, if he's rejuvenated and he can get command of, of his, because he's got electric stuff. He just, you know, Lindsay, when I watch him pitch, that plant foot is all over the mound. I mean, he does not have one solid divot that was where his foot landed every time. And he's just so erratic, but he's got electricity and he showed promise in 2020. But you know what? We really appreciate you joining the show. It's it's always great to talk to you. I, I'm I'm amazed every time. I'm sitting there going, how does he know all this stuff? How do you retain? Like your brain, does it open up and do you pour this stuff into it before we come on the air? My, but do, you know? my, my head is actually a TARDIS. And there's just <laughs> infinite dimensions of, of, of memory in there for left-handed swings and curveballs. Um, it's a lot of research. And I just, I watch baseball. I love baseball. And just about all the time in my house, in my office here, like right now in my home office, I have five screens between this computer, that computer TV, and baseball is always on at least two of them. It's just a, like, I live this. I love it, as you can tell. And, and when, when you love it, you don't, it's not work. You know, this is fun. Tell everybody where they can find your podcast, where they can find you. Um, and then, you know, we'll. All right. So, Lindsay, tell us where, tell everybody where they can find you. Sorry. So, my show, Locked On MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. But you can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can find me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. And if you have questions for the mailbag, we do mailbags every single Monday. Send them to me, send them to the show. You can email us, Locked On MLB Prospects at gmail.com. Oh. 